listening to First Church Charlotte. I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter number 5. Deuteronomy chapter number 5. This is quite well-known passage. And we are talking today about the subject of sacred spaces. Sacred spaces. It's a joy to be in the house of the Lord with all of you. As you know, I was my wife and my family and I were gone last week preaching in another church. It's fun to preach in other churches and see what the Lord is doing. Uh, but I just as soon stay home. I, I would rather preach here than anywhere. And I love being here with all of you. And I'm glad they're cool, but we are a little bit cooler. That's all I have to say about that. And so... Uh, I love all of you today. Deuteronomy 5, verse number 12. 12, observe the Sabbath day. Say those four words with me. Observe the Sabbath day. I know what you're thinking. What is he preaching about? Just, just, just stick with me. Keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your works. I'm going to say all. You're going to have to plan it. To get it all in that six. <laughs> the seventh day is the Sabbath of the, Lord, of the Lord your God. It's the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Not just you, but your children, your son, your daughter, your servants. If you all have servants, God bless you. I'm a little bit mad at you. Um, oxen, donkeys, cattle, nothing. And notice what it says next. Not even the strangers who are visiting... They, they shouldn't be doing any work either. So don't be contracting them to work while you sleep in. <laughs> Why? What's the point here? Notice verse 15. You need to remember that you once were a slave in the land of Egypt. What's the difference in a slave and a master? The master works and the slave works, but the master chooses to work and the slave doesn't have a choice. That's the central... Now, of course, slavery is a terrible stain on human history. We get that. Um, but I want you to see the, the difference. Uh, for one, work is a choice. For the other, work is a bondage. There's some spiritual depths here that we need to understand. Everything that we have in Christ changes our spiritual status. We are no longer slaves in Egypt. And one of the reasons why you have a day of rest, children of Israel is because you were once slaves and didn't have a choice. Now you have a choice and so you're going to choose and you're going to give it to the Lord. He brought you out. You didn't bring you out. You're going to have a day of rest because there once was a time when you didn't have the option. And then someone saved you when you couldn't save yourself. And you're going to take a day of rest and remember your former status and your current condition. So I'm talking about sacred spaces. Before you're seated, uh, smile at your neighbor, fist bump them or shake their hand or whatever and say, you better be listening because I know you need this one today. This one is 100% for you. Now we're going into the holiday crazy season and everything is taking longer, the lines are longer, traffic is worse. Uh, on Thursday of this week, to get from 
uh, the, one of the roads I live on, to, to make literally about an eighth of a mile took me 35 minutes to go an eighth of a mile. And during that time, I contemplated, well, homicide, I contemplated suicide. <laughs> Um, I was going to kill my kids, and um, actually they were well-behaved. I was the one that was struggling with it because you can see it right there. You just can't get there. It's like a metaphor for life, isn't it? You know, it's right there, but you just can't get there. And, and now going into the holidays, we're all overcommitted. We all of us have uh, so many things that we are scheduled to, to uh, go to, uh, family get-togethers, which are great. We should do that. Friends get-togethers. You should invest in your friends. I want to be rich in friends. I hope you feel the same way. Um, we, we should do that. Uh, we, we, we plan work uh, parties and uh, hobby group parties and any kind of a party there is, we plan it all for a about a 45-day period that starts from right now until the end of the year. And there is a good chance, if you're like most people, you will have more parties in the next 45 days than you've had in the whole year. And your uh, life will feel the result of that. Um, there will be a sense of craziness. Now, some of you, some of you are, uh, you, you feel this sense of craziness all the time. How many of you feel like you already qualify to have a crazy schedule? Raise your hand. You, you already qualify. Um, yeah, I understand. Um, between uh, uh, career, uh, juggling two careers in a family, the obligations that come with each one, our children's schedules. My, my, my kids have their, their own schedule that has to be kept. They need, um, they need an additional parent in their life just to help them take care of their schedules. And they're not as bad as some of you guys as kids. I mean, we're just booked and booked and booked. And then uh, you plan to get away and you, you, you understand what I'm saying? It just gets crazy. It gets crazy. And uh, whether or not we are looking at our career, whether or not we're looking at our, our family obligations, friendships, hobbies, investments, distractions, uh, we plan a vacation to get away and we come back and need a vacation, except we can't afford one now. Because we wore ourselves out going on a vacation that has exhausted us to need a vacation, but we spent our money. And so we rest by getting back into the order of things, and this is what modern life has become. I, I would remind you, uh, in fact, I was talking to a pastor this week, and he was talking about uh, just this, the challenges that are sometimes involved in having events at churches and whatnot. And I, I reminded him, I said, remember, you know, a lot of the things we do were organized in a time where if a guy came to a town with a good tar, he was the best entertainment in 50 miles. And so you plan these get-togethers, these, these tent revivals. I mean, they didn't have radio. They didn't have TV. They didn't have Netflix. They didn't have any of the stuff we take for granted. And uh, so if someone came to town and they had some singers and a guitar, well, the whole town would come out. Well, try that now and see if your own people come out. They'll be sitting at home binging on Netflix. Oh, pastor, we're just so busy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the, the thing I'm trying to say is not so much get on to you as point out the reality of how we have scheduled ourselves so full, so full, so full. And we get crazy and busy in our lives, um, especially in, in this time of the year. We get where we, we really, uh, uh, it's like we want to say no to things. But we don't really know how. And so we have this saying we use. We say, oh, I have this thing. Now, that's code word for I don't want to do it. I just can't think of a good reason, so give me a minute. <laughs> Would you come help me move? When is it? Oh, next Saturday. Oh, I have this thing. I'm sure I have this thing. There's actually an app called I Have This Thing. 
And if you want to get out of something, you, literally you can download it. It's an app. Uh, I have this thing. If you want to get out of something, what you do is it will search all the databases of events around you and it'll fill your calendar just by hitting one button. And so if you don't want to help your friend move, you can say, oh, I have this thing. You pull up your calendar at 9 o'clock, I'm committed here. At 10 o'clock, I'm committed here. And it's all a bunch of lies, so you don't have to do what you didn't want to do. I don't know what's coming to this world, but it's not looking good. <laughs> and so the next time one of you people tell me you have a thing, I'm going to look at you like, you know, you, I know, and you know. <laughs> um, our busy lives create uh, many things that are fine in themselves, but they also squeeze out, squeeze out the important things. It's ever so interesting that the central problem of the birth of Jesus Christ is not that too many people were expecting him, but that no one was expecting him, and symbolically, the city he came didn't even have a place for him to be born, and there was literally no room for him. That is a central metaphor of the human experience and the call of God. We have side by side the realities of our wants, our wishes, our plans, our, our, our hobbies. You, you, you get the idea. And over here you have this call of the Spirit in your life. You have this divine wooing of you where the Lord wants to have not the relationship of master and slave, but the relationship of friend with friend or father with child. And so he woos you. But you're busy and you don't really mean to be busy. It just somehow happened and you think, man, I need to make more space in my life. You think I need to, I really need to make some time to pray and I, I really need to reflect and we get exhausted with stuff that means little, does little and matters little and wonder why our souls feel so poor. I, as a minister today, am making an appeal to all of you to remind your busy hearts and your distracted souls that if you do not have sacred places in your life, what you will end up with is nothing sacred. Now, this is shown to you in the, in, in the Word of the Lord in two ways, and it is shown to you as making time sacred. This is a, the image of the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was given to us as uh, a grouping with, literally grouped with God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. It's placed right there beside, thou shalt not commit murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, uh, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, right there with these fundamental defining moral and ethical distinctions for God's people. It's placed right there. One day of the week, you shall dedicate unto me and you shall make it holy. It is a holy time. What have you done? You've taken some time and you've blocked it off for spiritual things. The author Philip Carey in his, uh, in his book, Good News for Anxious Christians, he says this, every time we turn to Christ in faith, it is like a moment of Sabbath, a little foretaste of eternal rest and glory. The gift of that moment lies not in what we do, but what we receive. It is the holy time set aside to receive the greatest gift God ever has to give, which is himself, him, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is what it means to literally take time of your life and make it sacred. You want more of the sacred in your life? Start by taking some of your time and making it sacred. The second way this is shown in the scripture, you've seen the, the, the sacred time. And what all of us need is a, a spot 
and a slot. We need a spot in our lives and a slot in our calendar. We need a spot and a slot. So the the biblical image of the Sabbath here is sacred time that we give to the Lord. And the image of a place, this is the biblical image of building an altar. Building an altar. Abraham is known among uh, his contemporaries for two things. First of all, he was a well digger. When he went to a dry land, he did not leave it like he found it. He invested in it. He dug wells and the whole land became rich. The same land that could support no animals when you dig a well, now you can graze herds upon it. The same land which could not hold crops. Once you cultivate with water, the same land can grow crops. So Abraham is known as a well digger. This is a sign not just of receiving wealth. Don't have time to preach this, but this would preach. But creating wealth. Not just saying, give me, but saying give me an opportunity man that's some fun preaching you should you should i just get give myself an amen i'm not the only one you know jesus gave himself an amen he said i am he that liveth uh, was dead and alive forevermore amen So you must in some way not just have this give me relationship with God, but you're a well digger. Give me an opportunity. Okay? He's also known as an altar builder. One of them is the manner in which he creates blessing where he goes, and the other is the manner in which he receives blessing wherever he goes. You will be more effective making sacred places and sacred time in your life than you will ever be trying to do it all on your own. I want to preach to somebody here today. I, want to, I hope you feel a little bit of conviction with the manner in which you've just rushed and rushed and been distracted and distracted and your life's full of stuff that's not sin. I mean, probably isn't sin. It's probably just stuff. It's probably lawful but not expedient. If you don't set time, there won't be time. And if you don't make a place, there won't be a place. And so my challenge to you is to remind you that your God is a relational God. I said he's a relational God. He's not just an algorithm of salvation. He's not just a formula of how you ought to live. He is a relational God. And he wants to walk with you. And he wants to hear your voice. And he wants to surround you with his presence, his spirit. We have to make sacred places in our life. Our, Our values are revealed every day, not by what we say necessarily, but how we spend our time and how we spend our money. The values check you need is to look at your calendar and your budget. That is an instant values check. And if your calendar, your schedule, your budget isn't in order, it is a reminder that you are seeking to add God to your life, not build your life upon God. Time is not given to any of us in an unlimited supply. Money is not given to us in an unlimited supply. We each are given a a gift. We are given a a portion, so to speak. And then we honor God within that. And so God shows us 
in the store in the image of taking a day of the week and making it holy in this moral this moral directive of God is how important it is for you to order your life around that which is most important and this theme will come again and again in scripture where it's Mar- whether it's Mary and Martha and Mary is seeking the better part while Martha's busy with many things whether it is the image of the disciples turning away from everything to follow after Jesus Christ. This image is over and over and over in the scripture where you rightly order your life. You order your heart that it might be transformed by the one who can transform it. But when he comes and there is no room, you don't stop him from coming. You just stop him from coming to you. When the Spirit of the Lord moves in a city and there's no space in your life for it, you don't stop Him from moving in a city. You just stop being the one who is moved. And so as believers, it is so important for us to set aside sacred spaces in our life and say, this is not just if I get to it. This is holy unto the Lord. I have to plan my day so I can get this done and have this time. I have to plan my week so I can get this done and have this time. It is intentional. It's a sacred place in my life. And this directive, this spiritual directive, is directly uh, warning us that we can give our life away to busyness that really has little importance to us. Indeed, we can wear busyness like a badge, a kind of a a self-reward or uh, even a self-pitying thing. We can feel sorry for ourselves because we're so busy. Well, whose fault is that? Uh, We can uh, brag to others about how we are so busy. Uh, The uh, author, Abraham Herschel, uh, he wrote a book entitled Sabbath. It's meaning, meaning for modern man. He has this great quote that I love. I want to share with you. He says, the world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. Did you hear that? The world has our hands, but the world doesn't have our soul. The world has us uh, 40 hours a week, but it does not have our soul. The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to God. Six days a week, we seek to dominate the world, but on the seventh day, we try to dominate the self. Because what does it profit us to gain the whole world and lose our soul? There is a purpose in these scriptural images that are given to us. There are teaching moments, and I want to be the first to admit that I can get busy. I can get caught up. I'm not trying to make you have a sense of condemnation today. I'm trying to give you a spiritual challenge for you to reorder your life, for you to reevaluate the time you are giving to everything. We make this error of the flesh, and this is... This is very, very true. It's sad, but it's true. And it it goes something like this. The things we think will give us rest actually do not give us rest. So if you're tired, uh, you'll plan some downtime. And you're going to say, you're going to relax. And you'll, you'll you'll pick something that is entertaining. Entertainment is not rest. It's real quiet now. I think there's some guilty people in this section right over here. The very thing that you choose for entertainment can be a stress in its own way. If you look at it, it may be fun, but fun is not the Sabbath. Oh, let the preacher preach. Somebody say, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. 
Fun is not the point of the Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath is not a comedy show. The point of the Sabbath is spiritual restoration. How are we restored? He restores our soul. And so there must be some element of spiritual interaction, some element of relational wholeness that is brought about when you set aside, you make time, you say, I am going uh, to do uh, this in a protected way unto the Lord. And now when the Lord comes to you and calls to you, Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? You are not hiding from him, but you have space in your life. What is the point of a garden? A garden is a protected place. It's surrounded by that which is unordered. Why would the garden be ordered? Man, I wish I could preach this. If I was a good preacher, I'd do a better job. But you're going to have to suffer with what you got, bless God. Why would you create order? The difference in a garden and a wilderness is order. You create order for a purpose. And when you invite people over, you invite them to come to your garden. It becomes literally a place of fellowship between the eternal and humanity. Between God and man. And God meets them there. In your life, if you're going to have time for God, it's going to come from order, not chaos. It's going to come from you setting boundaries on uh, your life. It's going to come from you making time. It's going to come from sacred places in your life. I know it can get crazy. I know I, I, I know I can be the one who gets crazy. And you can be the one who gets crazy. And you have to deal with a bunch of different things at any one time. And have you ever noticed that if things go wrong, they never go wrong in ones? They always go wrong in like multiples. And it's like if you're going to have trouble at home, it's going to be the same week you have trouble at work, which is going to be the same week you have transmission problems. It's almost as though life is conspiring to see if you will freak out and kill somebody true and as a pastor I have to change hats all the time and you do too we understand that I'll tell you a funny story I'm gonna tell this about my dad because I like to tell stories about my dad I was a little kid I got in trouble I busted a light and my dad came around the corner of the church right when I busted the light and his office was down in the basement and uh, he never stopped he just snatched me by my arm and just walked me and I was like oh Jesus pray saints pray oh God oh God mercy God loves mercy. Blessed all the merciful. I never quoted so much scripture in my life. <laughs> to do justice and love mercy. He's like, yeah, we're about to do some justice around here. <laughs> And what was funny is he had a meeting right after that. Now, you guys who didn't get, you didn't grow up with spankings. I just don't know what to do with you. I mean, I was teasing the millennials here in the 9 a.m. service. I'm like, a bad day's for you guys if you don't get a participation award or something. We grew up getting our hind ends beat. That, that's just all I had to say about that. And <laughs> I don't know if it's all good or not. I mean, half of us are crazy now. The other half's locked up in jail. But maybe, I don't know, but it was different. And, and uh, my, my dad grabbed me by the arm. And he, 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 he marched me right downstairs, and we, he closed the door, and his meeting was waiting at the top of the stairs to the office, and he pulled that belt off. And how many of you have ever got a spanking from your dad when the belt come off? It slaps on every loop. <laughs> and his waiting's outside, of, his meeting's outside of the top of the stairs, and, it's like, and the belt's like whistling like the sky, the death through the sky. I'm screaming, ah, don't tell me I'm dying. 
good. He's giving me a spanking. And, and so I get done. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll never do it again. I go outside and I start walking up the steps. Oh, my God. And his meeting, is, they're standing up there looking at me like, well, is there any blood? <laughs> I come up the stairs and they and then and then and then this is this is the best part of it. I get to the top and I because I the order was go find your mother and so I'm like going to find my mom. She's gonna be mad at me too. I can tell. I have one of them families where if I get spanking from one, the other was rude to me for two days. And you guys were raised. If one of them beat you, the other one took you to Dairy Queen. I get to the top of there, and this is the, the cherry on the top. So the, 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 the guy who was meeting him sees me come up. He's like looking. I'm like, I, I feel you, dude. I've been there. I feel you. He walks down, and I hear my dad, praise the Lord. <laughs> so within 30 seconds, he beat his child and loved his saints. Praise the Lord. My rear end is still on fire, and he's like, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know how my son feels, but I'm feeling particularly good. <laughs> Look, life gets crazy. I get it. You put on one hat, then the other hat. You go from this obligation to this obligation. You put out a fire at work and you get a phone call, there's a fire at home. You put out the fire at home and your boss calls you and there's a fire at work. It never ends. So this is what I'm trying to tell you. If you don't make sacred time and sacred pay- place in your life, you will end up with a lack of the sacred Very few of us are spiritual enough to really merge in a, a, a healthy way. You can do it for a little while. You can fake it for a little while. But there comes a time where you need a sacred place and you need some sacred time. And you say, I'm right here with you, Lord. I'm not rushing away. I'm not looking for an excuse. I am committed to knowing you, to standing with you. I am yours and you are mine. And I must be restored in my spirit. So, Jesus Christ came as our perfect fulfillment of the law. Uh, I would remind you that the law was never its own purpose. Um, It had a purpose, but that purpose was not itself. The law was never intended to be complete. Uh, The law was completed in Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Well, no one could keep the law. Uh, This is New Testament systematic theology. You should try to know it as good as possible. Um, No one could keep the law. The law educated our need for redemption. It educated us for our tremendous need for redemption. But there was one who came, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and he kept the law. Uh, He was the fulfillment of it. And he modeled the perfect life and all points tempted like us without sin. And so Christ becomes our Sabbath. Christ becomes our Sabbath in the structure of the law. Christ becomes our Sabbath. Uh, So let me read here um, uh, one of these passages uh, where you see, like for example, the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 11 and 12. In the past God spoke to to our forefathers, to the prophets many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made, he made the universe. Christ becomes the one who keeps our Sabbath. That does not mean 
because we don't celebrate it or honor it in the manner of the Old Testament. Uh, the New Testament church, we honor the Sabbath on Sundays according to the apostolic teaching that's given to us in the, book of, in, in, in the books of the New Testament. And we gather together and we focus on that vertical relationship on Sundays. Church services are intentionally designed for the vertical connection with you, for, you, you make with God. We try to get to one, know one another, but truthfully, uh, you can come to church and not get to know people. Uh, and the best way to get to know people is oftentimes in other areas of volunteering and serving and meeting in small groups. You have more of a horizontal connection. Church is intentionally for us to touch him. Church is intentionally for us to worship him, for us to order our week around this central profound truth. Without God, this is all a waste of time. We order our life around this central truth. I feel a sense within me of the eternal, but I cannot attain it. I must be given eternal life through Jesus Christ. And if that same spirit which dwell in him dwelt in me, then I will be given that eternal life through Jesus Christ. I want to show you something here uh, in the scripture, and I I want you to see it. Um, Rest is a choice you make after you've done all you can do. Rest is a choice you make where you've done your best and now you accept what you have. Uh, Look at Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 2. Then the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. That's verse 1. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it, he rested from all his work which God had created and made. I want to show you the power, the power of the symbol, the power of the symbolic in the scripture. Uh, And I want to do it in the form of a question. Uh, Why would God rest? He wasn't tired. Think about that. God doesn't get tired. It's not like you where, you know, you wash three dishes and you're like, my God, I need a vacation. (laughs) God doesn't get tired. Why would God rest? Because he was relating to finite beings who needed to learn how to rest. And he wasn't simply willing to order it. He wanted to model it. And so he rests. This is what I know about you. If you don't create sacred spaces, you're not going to make it. You need rest. If you don't create sacred times in your life, you're not going to make it. You need rest. God rested not because he was tired. He wasn't tired. He was rested because he knew something about us. And if we tried to do it without rest, then there would be no hope. If we do not make spiritual spaces in our life, intentional times of spiritual renewal and spiritual refreshment, we are not going to make it. And this image is so powerful that it's not simply at the creation. But when Jesus Christ came to fulfill all the prophecy and fulfill all the law law and fulfill all the prophets, he was hated, he was lied about, he was condemned to die. And he carries a cross. And in the middle of the journey, he staggers under the weight on it of it. Now, just a minute here. Uh, the Lord upholds everything that is by the word of his power, but he can't carry a cross. I want you to see the, the, t- the Lord isn't content simply to order it. He will model it. He's not tired, but he'll rest because he knows if you don't, you're not going to have any sense of the sacred in your life. 
And at Calvary, he knows you can't carry your cross. And so one Simon the Cyrenian came and bore the cross of Jesus Christ. He could have called on angels. He could have exercised divine strength. But in his flesh, he fumbled for the people who would see the story in the flesh. And read the story in the flesh. And know this, you can't carry your own cross. You need to get a sacred spot. You need to get a sacred time. And you need to say, restore me, O Lord. I can only be strong in you. I can only be renewed in you. I can only find hope in you. And so, if God needs a break from work, which he doesn't, why would he do it? Because he's relating to people who can't do it without having spiritual restoration in their life. We must all of us, and I'm almost done, musicians, you can come. We must all of us learn the value of sacred space and sacred time. Remember that the ministry of Jesus Christ was not simply characterized by the miraculous. There's plenty of the miraculous. But remember, that's not the only characterization of his life. He's also seen over and over again seeking a quiet place and there talking to his father. There is this image over and over of him slipping away and finding a quiet place and there praying. Do you see? He's not simply characterized by the dead coming back to life. He's characterized by spiritual restoration. And so we all of us see the necessity in our life, the value, the deep, profound spiritual value of sacred spaces in our life. The truth is we can worship our work and we can idolize our hobbies and we can work nonstop as a form of self-dependence. And spiritual rest can become a type of worship where you acknowledge in yourself you were never able to build the house anyway. Remember the image from the New Testament? Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Remember that image in the scripture? Unless the Lord build the house. Now let me tell you what it doesn't say. You can't build a house so you should just sit on the sideline and watch God do it because it's only going to last if he does it. That's not what it says. It says they labored in vain. You see, the kingdom of heaven is the expression of what he can do matched to what you can do. If you don't labor, you limit what heaven can do through you. But if you try to do it all, you make it impossible for God to do what he can do. So here's the truth. You can do some. And some you have to release to God and say, let thy will be done. Let thy kingdom come and rest, spiritual restoration. I'm not just talking about rest as in stay at home and bake popcorn and watch classic movies. I'm all for you making popcorn and watching classic movies. But entertainment is not spiritual rest. Fun is not spiritual renewal. We must have the sacred spaces in our life that our soul might grow and might become strong and might ultimately soar. So I mentioned to you the images in the scripture first of sacred time and the Sabbath making it holy unto the Lord. And I mentioned to you the image of a sacred spot which there are several here but for time's sake I'm going to primarily focus on altars in the word of the Lord. Uh, There's also the Holy of Holies. There's also uh, the tabernacle, the temple. There's also the city of peace, Jerusalem that is representative of something in the kingdom of God. All of these things have value as sacred places. I want to show you how people create sacred places in spaces 
that are not notable for any other reason except what they have chosen they mean for them. I mentioned Abraham, how he's known as a builder of altars. Abraham builds four altars in his life. And I, of course, again, there's so much depth in this. We could spend, we could do a whole series on these four altars, but I won't do it right now. So <laughs> I, I want you to see the four, these, these altars that he built in his life. Now, the places he built these altars were notable because because he built an altar there. And this is what I want you to see in your life. The space in your life that you designate unto the Lord, it's not, it's not notable in some uh, historic or special uh, cultural inheritance. It's, it's special because you dedicated it to the Lord. Abraham builds altars and altars are places of encounter. This is what true spiritual restoration looks like. Encounter with God. An altar becomes a place of encounter. You'll also see that altars are places of forgiveness. This is what true spiritual rest and restoration looks like. Places of forgiveness. Altars are also places of worship. Again, true spiritual restoration. Altars are places of covenant. And finally, altars are places of intercession. This is what true spiritual rest looks like. Where you have gotten a spot and a slot. A spot in your life and a slot in your calendar. And you say, I need sacred space with God. I have divine encounter there. I have forgiveness of my sins there. I have true godly worship there. I have divine covenant there. And I have missional intercession right there. You build altars in your life. And you dedicate them unto the Lord. The pastor can't do it for you. The worship team can't do it for you. Your favorite celebrity preacher can't do it for you. You build an altar. And what do you build it out of? you build it out of rocks what are rocks? rocks are broken things a rock is the result of the upwelling of the earth that comes up in in sheets of, 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 of plasma and the like just upwells in the earth and then through the settling and the shaking and the stirring and the wind and the erosion it breaks up it breaks up it breaks up sand is just rocks that has been exceedingly broken because of the push and hammering of the seas. We build altars out of broken things. We build altars out of rocks. And yes, the geological application is relevant because out of the volcano, out of the explosions and the, 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 the seismic lava and the grinding of life and the wear and the tear of the settling and the shaking and the erosion and the storm, out of all of these things is left the broken pieces, the hard broken pieces of our life, which we then gather and decide what we're going to do with them. Let me tell you what you can do with your rocks. You can carry them around. They will exhaust you. You can throw them at other people. It will break them and ultimately you. Or you can put them in an order. (laughs) You can arrange them in your life. The broken pieces. And there you can say, I am building a, a sacred place with you, oh God. I want to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, we come to you in faith. You see every life that's here. You see every person that I am spiritually reaching for and seeking to stir within them a passion for your presence. 
God, don't let us as a people be settled with a simple, busy, formulaic relationship with you and make no space in our life for knowing you and having spiritual communion and spiritual rejoining with you. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for the person here who is a little too far away because they haven't made time and I'm praying they would have the strength to make time. I'm praying for the person here today who is not near as sensitive to the things of the Spirit as they once were because they don't have special dedications of of time with you and a place of of communing with you. They've carried their rocks around. They've thrown their rocks at other people. Lord Jesus, I'm praying they would build in their life an altar and offer themselves in a sacred moment and a regular sacred time. Offer themselves to you that you might feel them like the vessel that they are. That they would make a difference in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with me all over the house? Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.